My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Well, just is that. Like, it's a perfect album. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest today is goon frontman Kenny Becker, who joined me to talk about one of his favorite paintings. Why am I not going to just say the name of the painting? Because it's known by a few different titles. But... Uh, for the sake of clarity, let's go with Wheatfield with a Reaper. We'll talk about the other variations shortly. And the artist? Why am I not just saying his name? Because it's got about a million different pronunciations. So Americans say Vincent Van Gogh. Brits say Van Gogh. Neither of those really makes any sense from an English language pronunciation standpoint, but whatever. And then Dutch people say something like Van Gogh. And I'm probably butchering that. But since I'm talking to an American today, we're just sticking with Van Gogh. Okay? Deal with it. Never fear. The rest of the episode is a lot less pedantic. Um, in fact, it's super fun. Kenny had a lot of really interesting things to say about Van Gogh's work and his relationship to it. So why don't we just hear what he had to say? Uh, but first, quick Kenny facts. Kenny Becker is the frontman of L.A.-based band Goon and is also an accomplished painter in his own right. Goon started as a solo project for Becker, which eventually evolved into the current four-piece band. Goon have just released their, frankly brilliant, second LP, Hour of Green Evening. It's the band's most complete statement, engaging all aspects of their sound to stunning effect. The record conjures the nightmare suburban world of Becker's youth, a mix of concrete and cookie-cutter homes with the lush beauty of California landscapes. Hour of Green Evening is out now, and you can stream it and download it to your little heart's content. Quick Wheatfield with a Reaper facts. Wheatfield with a Reaper is the title given to each of a series of three oil-on-canvas paintings by Vincent van Gogh of a man reaping a wheat field under a bright early morning sun. To the artist, the Reaper represented death and humanity would be the wheat being reaped. However, van Gogh did not consider the work to be sad, but almost smiling, and taking place in broad daylight with a sun that floods everything with a light of fine gold. Much more detail about the painting in my chat with Kenny, so let's dig right in. Here comes my chat with Kenny Becker about Wheatfield with a Reaper. So the first um, port of call is always kind of the origin story. I think with Van Gogh's work, it's a little more difficult to like pinpoint exact moments when you have discovered his work because it's 
fucking everywhere. Um, but do you have a memory of seeing this painting for the first time? Um, the Reaper slash wheat field with Reaper slash wheat fields with Reaper and Sun, whichever yeah. title you choose. Yeah, there's not really like a, a good name for it. Yeah. Um, I definitely, um, I don't remember maybe the exact moment, but I, uh, I do remember like the time and it was more or less, well, it was probably 2012. And I, um, the reason why I kind of selected this painting actually is because I feel like you, you know, it's so, like you said, it's like, all of his paintings are so well known that it's hard to know. Like, it's like, it's almost like it would like seeing like starry night for the first time. It's almost like you, it'd be better if you didn't know it was a famous painting, you know, mm. you kind of like, there's something lost in the fact that it's like too, it's almost too famous or something. Right. Um. So this was the one I, I was like, I was getting really into landscape painting at the time and um, going through like a coffee table type book. And I, happened upon this painting and it was like I think it was like the first time that I felt like I really like discovered one of his paintings on my own sort of Mm -hmm. or like really experienced it for myself in a true kind of way um and uh yeah it definitely kind of formed like the uh the like um seed of like my obsession with him and sort of like led me down that you know the path of learning more about his life and everything so yeah and yeah i so it was yeah probably around 2012 and like uh i've been a huge fan ever since i think it exemplifies a lot of like really um just powerful things about his life and um things that i try to like that kind of like try to carry forward in my own um practice and like that like you know he was um at saint remy asylum at the time Mm -hmm. and that like you know he painted a lot of things from that vantage point that window with like the wall you can kind of see in the mountains that sort of slope up like that there's actually you know there's a lot of paintings of his that kind of have that similar sort of like look to it and he so you know he had checked himself into the asylum at that time and like it ended up being a very kind of fruitful and uh like gracious kind of like uh place of healing for him um which i think he gets kind of like the like people approach his paintings and you know of course you can't like not think about like oh you know it's a classic kind of like oh, what a what a tortured soul who made mm. such beautiful pieces but like um like I think it's there's a little there's more to it than just that and I think over romanticizing that um point is kind of like misses the the mark a little bit um but yeah I don't know what do you, what do you think about it yeah I mean I, I I when I talk about um fine art on this show I always talk about um being able to experience and appreciate it on sort of three different planes uh purely aesthetically looking at it and saying that is beautiful that is a work of art that makes me feel whatever way um appreciating it from 
uh, an historical, um, like from the vantage point of art history saying, this is where this painting fits in to the broader fine art ecosystem. And especially with a painting like this, with an artist like this, who is so important to the history of modern art. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of latch on to that. And then also the artist's intent and where they were coming from their own experience and how that affects their work. Um, and I think this is such, a a perfect, um, intersection of all of those points that it is this painting that's so striking. Um, and you know, uh, as a landscape, it's it's so interesting to me that it's predominantly yellow. And right. when you think of like a field of wheat, that is not something that immediately jumps into your mind as like, that would be a beautiful painting. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm from the Midwest. It's like I've, I've seen a few cornfields and wheat fields in my time and driving past them for hours and hours you're just like jesus fucking christ am i ever going to see another color again and so having somebody who is you know having probably multiple mental health crises has checked himself into this institution to try and get some help get some respite and has limited stimuli because he doesn't have access to you know the the wider world at that stage and taking this small chunk of the world that he has access to and creating something that's so beautiful and so involving as as much of his work is where it really pulls you in it feels alive um and being able to do that with a field of wheat is you know a testament to his genius i think Totally. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people form the narrative that he was like, oh, you know, he was so like, so troubled. And so, you know, like, the mental illness must have made him so like, you know, a lot like tuned into some other plane of creativity or something. But I think that that sort of is like oversimplifying it a little bit that like, you know, I and I remember, I, remember learning that like the doctors back then diagnosed him with what doctors now would still agree based on um sort of analysis of his letters and other you know documents from his life they 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 would still agree with the diagnosis that the doctors gave back then which was that he had temporal lobe epilepsy which was like epilepsy but like a non-convulsive kind that it would only happen in the brain and rather than like a physical or well it's physical but like you know you wouldn't have like a body convulsion convulsion and um that it was like this feeling of essentially you know he would describe it as like reality being snatched away and that this like great hole would open up and you know he would do things but like he would perceive it as some other being or person doing them like turning a page of a book or whatever and of course, like this, you know, you would wake up from one of these episodes and not remember it. Like that was kind of like one of the main sort of symptoms or, you know, hallmarks of it as well. And like what was, I think, kind of, and this is sort of personal interpretation, but I think like instead of it being like 
it it was more of like in spite of those um you know probably extremely terrifying experiences that he would see something as simple as maybe a simple wheat field out of his you know window of the asylum and have this kind of like maybe this sense of like he doesn't know when reality was going to get snatched away from him again and it like sort of adds that his like this more kind of immediate intensity to like just everyday life that you kind of like if he's struck by the simple beauty of something it's like oh my god i have to get that down right now in all of its and so he kind of yeah he had that like fervent sort of working kind of style and would just like capture things so intensely um which i think is uh you know and it's kind of like a jump here but i know jeff tweedy talks about kind of like a similar thing about like creating like in spite of depression mm-hmm. and rather than being like oh he's depressed that makes him so creative it's like it's it's more like and van gogh was the same way you could like in his letters he talks about like when he was in one of those like downturn kind of spells of the epilepsy it would he would be very not productive it was like only when he was feeling good that he would just have these like huge spikes in productivity and um and and yeah and he just wanted to like capture like the you know the beauty of everyday life and in a way that like resonates yeah and i think there is that tendency for people to want to say for somebody who very famously severed his own ear that it's very easy to uh i don't know if it's either be dismissive of him and say you know he made this incredible work but he is you know mired in all of these terrible issues with his health um, or trying to attribute his creativity to his mental and physical health issues um, and like you said, I think it's, you know, he, all of those things are part of who he was as a person. So they're, they are intertwined, but, uh, his creative abilities are not the same thing as the mental and physical health issues that he was going through. Um, yeah. and also, you know, I think it's very interesting that in this kind of post impressionist, uh, period the, it was, um, it was like, a wanting to have the same kind of feeling uh that impressionist painting gave to people but leaning into the impression side of impressionist that it's you know there's there's a more emotion mixed in with things that there's more color that it's not you know as defined portraiture it's not you know like there there can be a little bit more room for interpretation than uh trying to make things as literal as they were but he also said he felt like starry night might have gone too far in that direction and that he wanted to have a foundation in reality so it wasn't you know people saying like oh he was going through all of these you know he's hallucinating and that's what was making him see these things and it's really taking something that is you know ostensibly a boring nothing like a wheat field and finding the beauty in it and finding this you know like the way that the you can feel the wind going through it looks like waves going across this landscape and finding that movement finding the 
emotion in something that could be in somebody else's hands, very emotionless. Um, and it's, it's intentional. It's not something that just, you know, uh, happened to him that he had no control over. He was very much in control of what he was doing with these, with these paintings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's a super good point, but like people, yeah, it's, or, well, not people, but it, it, he, he was very much in control and was like a, like just a genius colorist and, you know, like was such a kind of a voracious consumer of literature and other art and images and was from a very early age and he kind of ends up alluding to a lot of other like he references stuff in his paintings all the time um in a, in a way that but at the same time uh, like you like you said there's like this kind of uh like the impressionists were considered irreverent and van gogh is almost like more irreverent in a way like that he like you know he he has this like childlike kind of like simplicity in his drawings that you would never see in the impressionist, like just to have like such a strong, simple outline of, you know, most things in his paintings is like, it's, it's very kind of graphic and, and striking in the way that like a drawing is, but yet he's very painterly at the same time. And he just kind of like smashes those two things together and it, it almost like feels like like if I thought to try that, I would think of it maybe more like like, oh, this could be like a fun side thing. But for him it was just like everything. Like he put everything into that. And that's you know, like that's even makes it even more kinda impressive, I guess. Like he would just that he would like he was aware that it it was like a Uh, painting in that way was like a strong way of communicating, I guess. Time for a quick break, because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That idea of having this like almost childlike quality, I mean, I think like having these beautiful, complex works of art that the kinds of emotional responses that are um, drawn out of people by looking at them, it feels like they, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at something like Starry Night, it, you, you stand in front of it and it just is like, it feels like you can fall into it. And I think part of that is like, you know, 
uh, a pretty consistent use of uh, impasto, like, you know, layering thick globs of paint, making it feel like something that's tactile. Um, I mean, I think everybody in the world would get fucking thrown to the ground and arrested if anybody tried to touch one of these paintings ever again. Um, But uh, that feeling of like, uh, it's almost like it's in three dimensions. It's something that you feel like you could fall into that you can, you can, you know, it's like uh, uh, a world that uh, actually exists, even though it looks like this heightened version of reality. It's a reality that you feel like you can experience. Um, I actually like, I don't want to get too far into my own anecdotes and derail this show. But the first time I saw this painting, uh, the first time I went to Amsterdam, I went to the Van Gogh museum and was standing in front of it for an extremely long time. I was admittedly very stoned and I was looking at it (laughs) and just like feeling like I don't normally like look at paintings this long, but it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. I'm just, I, I feel like I could just look at it forever and I can hear to the side of me, somebody going, Oh my God, that dude is so high right now. (laughs) I think, um, yeah, but just, you know, that, that, yeah, that kind of feeling, I think even similar experience, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's really interesting too, just like the thickness of his paintings, like how that does add this like really like this intensity to it. Even even almost like from like a financial point of view, mm. like knowing that paint is expensive and now, you know, knowing, you know, that he was essentially just living off of money that his brother would give him. And I remember even reading that like one time he asked his brother for money. And he was basically like, Theo was replying and was like, hey, like, I, I don't think I can basically give you this much right now. Like, have you considered painting with less paint? Like, can you use less paint? And, you know, now that I'm thinking about that quote, I feel like Vincent had like, he had some clever reply of like, you wouldn't ask like a carpenter to not use a saw or something like I'm mm. butchering it. it, you know someone listening is going to be like screaming at their phone knowing <laughs> what the actual quote is. But anyway, you know, you get the idea that he was basically like, like, he was just like, this is, this is how I do it. And I can't do it any other way. And there is something very like, you know, refined and academic about the, uh, just like very nice, perfect amount of paint on the canvas type of thing. But I think, I actually think that is one of the things that he picked up maybe from the impressionists when he was hanging out with them in Paris and like looking at some of Monet's like paintings of the the cathedral that he did at the multiple different times a day and how those just feel like it's just like caked on there like this like really intense amount of paint that it's so it's interesting that that has such a strong effect on us like yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, it's like, it's almost like grotesque. And when you first see it, and then you're kind of like, whoa, like, wow, that's it. it I, can, I think, yeah, it like implies or sort of conveys a confidence and intensity that, like, whereas if it's like, if it was the same starry night, but like just flat, it would, it would be more one of those things that you kind of stand at and you just sort of look at rather than like you say, sort of like fall into or something. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And it feels because it's like 
you know, it's not entirely two dimensional. It feels like it's kind of sticking out and like almost pulling you in on its own. Yeah. Um, and I always just think about like the amount of like, like how, how much more difficult it must. I mean, it's like, it's kind of halfway between painting and sculpting because it's so much material. Um, and just waiting for that to dry as well. That must take <laughs> so long. <laughs> right, right. It's like, you know, an inch thick. And um, yeah. yeah, and it's not like he had like a ton of place to store them or anything. Is like, so yeah, there's there's a lot of conviction in there for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's, that's actually another, you know, I, I, uh, I don't really paint that way. Um, but the times that I have paint, tried to paint really thick like that, it's and like striking how hard it is to like maintain clarity in it. Mm. And yet paintings come across as very complex and like they have all these like feelings of motion going this way or that way. Um, so he, he figured it out <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But, but just like, again, technically, um, uh, you know, I have friends who are painters and they'll paint something and then give it a rest, come back and go, oh, fuck, no, I hate that. And, you know, paint sections over or make little changes or whatever. But when you have these thick, chunky globs of paint, it's like, how how can you... The, he must have had enough of an idea of exactly what he wanted to be able to... Wow at least get that rough structure in place because it must be so True. difficult to shift it around once it's even started to dry. Um, yeah. You can't, you can't change your mind. Like structurally, yeah. you can't be like, what if I actually make the mountains go this way? And it's just like, mm, it's kind of, which, yeah, again, it's just like, it's like forceful and like intense and full of conviction in that way. Um, it's interesting too, because actually in the case of this painting with the, wheat field with reaper with like the green sky and the yellow uh wheat and everything he actually did a nut he did this one and then he copied it mm -hmm. just tried to do it again and i remember again i could be getting this wrong but i'm pretty sure i remember reading that he like thought that the the second one was a complete failure mm -hmm. but that was like the one that i liked better or whatever right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. but uh yeah it's interesting what you'll do when you know when TikTok's not a thing to like <laughs> boil your brain or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's also just like thinking about the speed at which he worked. Like the he was so prolific yeah. in such a short period of time, just really it like it it feels like um, you know, my idea of him is somebody who had so much so many creative impulses, so much stuff, so many thoughts of like what he wanted to create inside of him and he just needed to get it out. And it was like, you know, constantly having new ideas of things that he wanted to create. Um, but thinking about these paintings that are absolute masterpieces and knowing that he is not, was not the kind of artist who was, you know, taking six months or a year to paint each painting. Um, makes it even more astonishing it's just like this Absolutely. Uh, superhuman talent yeah i was actually thinking about a very similar idea um like 
basically that same thing but like it came from the beatles actually i was thinking about just like their um especially their early output and how like you know they did please please me or that that first record was like a one day session and then they were putting out like two or three albums a year and all that stuff and and it's like astonishing to look at of course very impressive but there's like this other thing that like I kind of take away from it that is really inspiring it's kind of like the idea that like quantity sometimes it matters more than quality in a weird way like of course you want to like show up and really try and put everything you can every time but like it's almost like the fact that you know there's going to be another album or another painting immediately after the one that you're currently working on sort of takes the pressure off to make that one like anything particularly earth-shattering or perfect so you know it's a kind of like allows you to be more human if you sort of accept that um yeah kind of like more of a prolific or like kind of non-stop output uh feeling and I, I remember learning a similar concept like a bit of a tangent here but kind of like the idea of like in terms of art making whether music or painting whatever um that like if you hypothetically were to focus on one painting for a, an entire month or make 30 paintings a month, one painting every day, and you had to finish. But like, like in which scenario do you think, you know, you would make more good stuff? Of course, you know, in the example of making one painting every day for a month, you probably would make like at least 20, you know, bad to like, okay paintings, but you'll probably have like five to 10, like pretty good ones, maybe two or three like great ones because you've like sat down started to paint faces you know face a problem maybe fail at it but then you face that same problem the next day and you have a little bit more muscle memory about like how to attack it or like a, an idea to try that you didn't want to try the first time or whatever but then contrast that with the example of making one painting in an entire month and you're so concerned with that one painting being a masterpiece that like once you come up against any of those problems, the same problems that you, you know, that were in the a painting every day scenario, you get like way more like stumped and just stopped by them because it's like this expectation that you like are imagining you should live up to or whatever. So, yeah. And I think that fear of failure um, can be really debilitating for artists and and especially if you if you are you know the reason that you are taking a month two months three months whatever to finish one painting is that you need it to be perfect and you cannot yeah. be satisfied until it is perfect um you're setting yourself up for disappointment and yeah. if you have the ability to just say i want to just keep making work i can come back to something if i feel like it needs to be adjusted later on, or I can just say that one's not good. <laughs> and uh, like allowing yourself to fail, recognizing that that's an important part of becoming good at something is, you know, continuing to 
uh, through trial and error, figure out how you work best, what your process is. And sometimes that just means constantly shifting new ideas out into the world and saying, this is what I've got. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad. Maybe all of it will be good. Maybe all of it will be bad. But um, just having that that attitude that's like, let's, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And that's difficult. Like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's horrible because, you know, on one hand, it's like, yes, fail as much as possible, as often as possible. And that will that will be like the main thing that will make you better, I think. But the reason you're trying to be good in the first place is because you care so much. So there's no way to fail without it hurting. But there, you know, I, I think it is possible to develop a, like a, like, yeah, like a sense where you sort of bounce back faster, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like accept the heartbreak of like, damn, I really thought that was going to be a good song or whatever. And then just like move on to the next one, you know, because you'll never run out of stuff. And like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And also just teaching yourself that there is going to be a next one because if exactly. you invest all of your time in one thing and it doesn't turn out the way that you want that one thing to be, it's much more crushing. It it mean it makes you feel like, you know, it's gonna be yeah this really huge mountain to climb to be able to get back yeah. out there and do the same thing again. Yeah. So the lesson today, kids, is keep trying and just keep putting yourself out there. Keep failing. Yes. Fail, That's... fail, fail. But keep picking up the pencil after, you know, because quitting only happens once. Stopping happens every time you finish the day. You put the pencil right. down, you know. Right. All it takes is to pick it back up again the next day and you haven't quit. So exactly. Keep um, going. <laughs> sage words. Um yeah. I think that is a, a lovely note on which to finish. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for making time for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was lovely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nice to you, Adam. Yeah, you too. Um, I think that's it. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, take it easy. Thanks again. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. That was fantastic. I think we can all agree. Uh, Thanks again to Kenny for making time for me. Goon's incredible new album, Hour of Green Evening, is out now. And that's about it from me this week. Um, No new episode next week, I'm afraid, because, quite frankly, it's too fucking hot for me to be productive. Can I be honest with you like that? We're friends, right? Uh, Yeah, so that's the deal. Anyway, I'll be back with another scintillating episode week after next. So for now... Stay cool. Seriously, it's really gross out there. Uh, Take care of yourself. And until next time, bye-bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.